And so they have this wrist-mounted FPV wrist monitor. So what are your thoughts, Lee? I uh, like it. Do I need to say more? <laughs> This is the RC Roundtable, a casual discussion about all aspects of flying model airplanes. <laughs> well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the RC Roundtable. <laughs> is this the Halloween edition? <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a 1 a.m. version. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing the smoothest talk in RC models. Joining me is Lee Ray. Hello! And the smoothest silk, Terry Dunn. <laughs> Wait, uh, I can't live up to that. You're going to need a better intro. Yeah. <laughs> smooth, I've never been called smooth. <laughs> you both are not cool cats. <laughs> uh, apparently not. <laughs> Howdy, folks. Howdy, guys. So what's on your mind? Hey, gals. Hey, gals, hey. I think my lo- my wife listened to the show once. Oh wow! Hey, <laughs> once. <laughs> then she threatened uh, with the divorce papers after that. No, she just didn't understand any of it. Yeah, well, girl. She wanted to make sure I wasn't talking about her. So let's hope she doesn't listen to this one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, what's on your mind? What's new this week? What's new? As in new products? Yeah, sure. Well. I've got the new Flyzone Rapide. Do we need to talk about pronunciation before uh, we get started ra- here? It's, you have to roll the R. Rapide. There's no accent ague at the end, so it's not ra- Rapide. So I think it's Rapide. Is it Spanish or French, Italian? What the, I, I couldn't figure it out either. I think you get to choose, right? I imagine, like a... <laughs> I imagine it means rapid, right? In some language? I, I would guess so. Fast? Yeah. Boy, what a way to blow the whole <laughs> ooh and ah portion of the show. <laughs> it says rapid. Who's going to eat at the end? Pick the name. <laughs> that poor marketing guy, he's listening to this podcast going, man, I really like the name, and they just kind of tore it apart. <laughs> well, first of all, the marketing, people have to know how to pronounce it. Well, I, we're in the South, so wouldn't it be. Rapid. <laughs> Rapid. <laughs> oh my goodness. This is this is the way to start a show, folks. I hope you all are enjoying this. C- continue, right. Terry. What is, what about this rapid? <laughs> are you going to do that every time? Every time. <laughs> Great. It's a powered glider. And there's an oxymoron for you. It is a brushless powered Folding prop, uh, molded foam, 60-inch span, ARF from Flyzone. Is it an ARF or an RTF? Uh, I don't know. What's the difference? It doesn't come with a radio. It's uh, receiver ready. Receiver ready, way. yeah. But that means it has the uh, motor and the ESC and the servos. So it's not necessarily an ARF. It's, it's a receiver ready. I guess it depends on how you define those things. There's a little bit of assembly involved. <clears throat> not much. And you only have to provide that radio system with a receiver, four or more channel, and a three-cell 2100-ish or 2200-ish battery. Okay, so receiver ready. Go. <laughs> um, how come you don't roll the R's in receiver ready? <laughs> <laughs> receiver ready, rapid. 
Oh boy, what a, this is going to be a great show. I have a, have a good feeling, feel, good feeling inside. <laughs> so carrying on, uh, you put on your receiver <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's got all the graphics on it and it's, it's fun. I don't want to give away too many spoilers, but I thought it was going to be kind of a warm liner, which is what you would call a poor man's hotliner. But it's not. It's it's fun, don't get me wrong, but it's not exactly what I was expecting, and that's kind of cool. Now, Fitch, you have one too. What what are your thoughts? Uh, kind of similar. I haven't had a chance to fly it all that much. I had a couple of quick flights with it. And, uh, yes, I kind of thought the same along the lines that you were thinking, that it would be a warm liner. And I think it, it has some limitations on that. Uh, but Structural? <laughs> yeah, structural limitations. Uh, and, and some other things. Uh, but uh, it is a very nice flying plane, and it's very smooth. And, and, and I, I'm thinking a bit of a liking to it, but I wanted to. In certain things, it's actually really neat. Uh, and, and I, like again, like Lee, uh, uh, Terry, excuse me, I don't want to give away too many spoilers, uh, but it has it has its charm to it. Yeah, I agree. I've been flying mine quite a bit lately, and I'm finding that I judge airplanes on a category that I never would have a couple of years ago, and that is how easily it accepts cameras being attached to it. <laughs> and this one, I've used cameras in five oh. different locations, and it doesn't seem to care. Oh, really? So. Yeah, so I've got some really neat uh, in-flight footage. And, yeah, it's fun. I plan to fly it a, a few more times this coming weekend. My last weekend was just blowing out with other activities, so I didn't get a chance to fly it. But uh, I will try to fly it extensively this coming weekend. Good luck with it. Yeah, thanks. Hopefully I'll come back in and, one piece. Yeah, me too. So what are your thoughts, Lee? I uh, like it. <laughs> Is that good enough? Do I need to? Do I need to say more? <laughs> you guys have covered everything, and unlike you guys, I don't get to review anything. <laughs> I just get to destroy everything I have. <laughs> so um, we can review that. No, I think the price is great for the receiver ready. Oh, excuse me, a receiver ready. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's not too big though. What's the wingspan on this thing? Sixty. Okay, uh, the photo makes it look a lot smaller. The guy holding Which, it. Okay, maybe he's tiny. I mean, huge. <laughs> I got that backwards. Yeah. <laughs> he's a big basketball star or something. Yeah. Uh, Terry, did you cut flaps into yours? Um, no, but I did program flapperons and spoilerons. Oh, fancy. Ah, see, you made me give away too much. No, you shouldn't have said that. Not. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> why, why keep that from the listeners? They can get that secret little bit of joy. Hey, uh, do you hear Okay, fine. Is there some uh, they'll disclaimer? Have to, they'll have to read my article to get the details. All right, there you mm. go. Hmm. Now that said, I did cut flaps into mine to, to fly around. Ah. With, so. Uh, so did you use their kit for that? No, I didn't. I didn't realize they had a kit for it until after I got it. So I just just scavenged for parts in my uh, workshop and found the bits I needed. Yeah, I assume it's just basic stuff, push rods and horns. And yeah, yeah. Whatnot. Yeah, it wasn't too, anything too fancy. And how much weight did it add? I didn't measure it. It was pretty negligible. The weight of two servos, basically, with uh, maybe uh, 18 grams or something, maybe, at the most. Okay. So half an ounce? Yeah. Yeah, probably Mm -hmm. in the noise. Yeah, yeah. I doubt it noticed it. All right. Well, let me know how that works for you. Sure. Because it 
it is clean when that prop is folded back. So I overshoot my landings more often than I care to admit. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had the same problem trying to land the thing. It, it has a really clean profile, and it just keeps going and going and going. You're like you think you're set up for a nice landing, and you overshoot it by a wide margin. Yeah, it gets about three feet off the ground. I guess it's not in ground effect at that point, but it just keeps on going. It, it, it doesn't matter. Yeah, even up, it, you see, it has a really flat glide to it. So I like the new model that you guys uh, sent me uh, the link of, and that's that Phoenix Westland Lysander. Uh, I mean, that's pretty. That thing is really neat looking. And I saw the video. I like it. Uh, we can go on and on. I just want to say the one thing I really don't like is that pilot. That's the one thing I'd have to take out. That just Every time I see that guy in the cockpit, it's just so, uh, it's just out of place. I'd probably, I'd probably build it without the pilot because it just distracts. Well, you've got that huge canopy. you got to have something. In no, there. you don't need that. No, it's it, it just, he's, it's wrong. It just looks wrong in there. What's wrong with him? I don't, I, I don't like it. That's just my opinion. And I get to have an opinion on this show, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> only when it agrees with mine. Now, I saw that, and I think uh, the only problem is that it's hunched down into the cockpit too much. If it was up a little prouder, it'd be all right. It wouldn't look so awkward. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe also because it looks more like a civilian. <clears throat> than so it, now you're t- knocking the guy's looks? <laughs> Yeah, he offends me. <laughs> no, I, just, I think maybe maybe a mil- more of a military type uh, character. Well, that's an easy fix. I mean, there's all sorts of canopy busts out there. I mean, cockpit uh, pilot busts. And there you go. And I'm hoping there's at least one listener that goes, yeah, he's right. I only need one person to authenticate you know, my opinion. No, I'm agreeing with you that it's <laughs> awkward, but I think we're disagreeing on why. Okay. But it's a, and I think the the big canopy is probably one of the reasons I've never seen a, a kit or an ARF of that before, because I think it's difficult to pull off a, an airplane with a big canopy and have it look correct. That's true. Same thing with that funky shaped wing. Yeah, if you look at the way the wing is mounted, that looks like that's an engineering uh, nightmare. Yeah, so bravo to them for attempting to pull that off. Yeah. I assume they did a good job with it. People tend to like Phoenix models. Yeah, it's a very distinctive aircraft too, as well. It's a... I mean, it's how yeah. it's, it's for the price. We're looking, we're talking one seventy for the ARF. It's you know, it's set for both glow and electric. Um, yeah, what's the wingspan? Seventy something. Seventy five, almost seventy five inches. Yeah, one point nine. <laughs> one point nine meters. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's a it's a big plane. <laughs> it's a good size. It is, and I'm looking at the the. You know, the photo of all the pieces together, it's not a lot, really. I mean, it, and it's really pretty. I think it's a gorgeous plane. That'd be a great plane to have at the field. Now, historically speaking, I think this was probably bigger than a Piper Cub, but wouldn't that be the British equivalent, just an observation plane, artillery spotter? Yeah, that's, transport that's what I saw. It's, the night. it's a liaison observation sort of uh type, uh, what do you call it, transport type of aircraft. Yeah, did they insert uh, secret agents with those? I think they did, actually. I think that exactly what they did with it, yeah. Yeah. Now, I saw, I've got a bunch of airplane books, and one of them is specifically about unusual airplanes, and there was a version of this that had um, tandem wings, so that funky-looking wing up top, there was another one in the back in lieu of the the regular tail surfaces 
So I had double the wing area, and I think there was a, a turret back there too. Yes. And I forget exactly what the purpose was, but it didn't get past prototype. For yeah, I think it was somebody's idea. Maybe, maybe it was even more short takeoff landing or something or payload. Yeah, maybe. It'd be interesting to see if you can convert this to one of those. If it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I'm waiting for Lee to say challenge accepted. No, I'm waiting for Terry to, not Terry, I'm waiting for Fitz to do that. <laughs> yeah. Fitz oh, don't, the tempt, guy. don't tempt me. <laughs> I, I don't know, he prefers the the Nazi and <laughs> Japanese planes. <laughs> He's always Axis. That doesn't sound right. Well, <laughs> it's an observation. The mentality. Let, just the, just, uh, let everybody know I'm just as red-blooded American as everybody else. Do <laughs> you just have an affinity for... The, those airplanes and that's fine <laughs> you lean to the axis <laughs> i mainly like the japanese aircraft i will admit i'm a big japanese aircraft man interesting designs but i have picked up a few nazi aircraft here and there because they were unusual or something interesting so terry yeah, here's here's, here's our question terry of what's the percentage of axis aircraft in his hobby room arsenal I don't know. He's so secretive. You never know what's in there. He's got a bunker. He's got stuff in his attic that we've never even dreamed of. I used to give him a hard time because he'd pull this crazy thing out at the field and say, oh, I didn't tell you about this. I've been working on it for six months. Like, no, you didn't say anything about this. You know you didn't. Well, that's because if I don't finish it, then I won't get harassed about it. <laughs> well, I suppose that's one way. <laughs> but you're right, I do have some stuff in the attic that one day you'll find out about. We expect an inventory list. <laughs> and you will not get it. Well, at least at least answer this question. How many kits do you have, and what's the percentage of Axis versus Allies? Uh, you got to be specific, because he's into plastic, too. So when you say kits... Yeah. Okay, flying kits. Flying... Since, I, I have no idea. I haven't counted... And yes, a lot of them are Axis. That's okay. There's it's, no shame in that. With some are allies, too. I don't really discriminate. I just have whatever I like, I do. So. Yeah. A neat airplane is a neat airplane. Neat airplane is, yeah, and I got a really neat one. <laughs> I feel sorry. Oh, no, you can't tease like that. God, yes, I am. I ain't saying. Uh, that, it that is Axis, though. <laughs> sorry. That's okay. I'm just thinking about that poor employee that works at Phoenix Model who's listening to this podcast going, man, they were really talking about my plane, and all of a sudden they were talking about Axis versus Allies. <laughs> That's how we roll. <laughs> Anyways, well, I like the, the, the Phoenix Model. It's pretty neat. Hopefully, uh, I'd love to see one. And the price is really good on it, so uh, I think it'd be pretty popular. And it's glow and electric, which is nice. They have provisions for both. Uh, although I didn't really see engine sizes. Did you see that, Terry, what they were recommending for engine size? I didn't quite. They're pictures, but no details. Mm, I don't know. Yeah. I don't usually pay attention to that. Oh, well, I'm just curious. I mean, it. Well, Lee's got it up. Well, I'm looking at the photo, and it, it is hard to say. I mean, it kind of looks like a 4660 size. With that size wingspan, I, I guess it's that range. I mean, the Rinfire doesn't show you the number, but I'm going to go for a 60. Okay. I'm probably wrong, but if I am wrong, go ahead and feel like uh, calling us and letting us know. It's an eight-pound airplane, so that sounds about right. Well, you see, I see that Tactic has something kind of... I don't know what to make of this. Apparently, they've been watching Dick Tracy quite a bit, and so they have this wrist-mounted 
FPV wrist monitor. It's a little LCD screen with a 5.8 gigahertz receiver in it. So you can watch FPV stuff on your wrist. I don't. Interesting. Can you, you wouldn't want to fly that way, would you? No, I don't think it would be practical for flying. I guess if you're at a race or something, you want to tap into people or something, it would be kind of neat. But I don't really know how useful something like this is. Not the hop on tactic, but is this something yeah. nobody was asking for? You just didn't know you needed it. Yeah, maybe that's it. Does it talk about the resolution? It says 480 by 240. Okay, that's actually not bad. Yeah, no, it's not, that's not that bad. Uh, Two-inch screen. One hour. It's got a one-hour battery life. Mm. And that's all it does. It's not like a smartwatch or anything else. It doesn't have a scientific calculator. It, it's just a monitor. It looks like it's just a monitor. It's got 32 channels. Okay. Uh, no word of any of those include the race channels. Oh, I would assume it lines up with tactics transmitters. Uh, 3.8. Uh, I mean, could you use this to fly in? I mean, you're... I would think it'd be awkward to try if to... If it's on your wrist. wrist, you've only got one hand left to fly. Yeah. You um, need a buddy to hold it in front of you. Yeah. Or to work the other stick. So it's an interesting concept. I'll be um, watching to see, no pun intended, I'll be watching to see uh, how useful it really is. Yeah. And it's only 50 bucks. That's not bad. Yeah, the good thing is it's not expensive, so maybe something for kids. You give it to kids in there. They can tap in and watch stuff. Well, yeah, it would be nice if it had a watch or did other things. <laughs> yeah. Um, stylish band. <laughs> So looking at the picture of it on this guy's wrist, it's not tiny. Or this person is tiny. No, it's just two-inch display, which is it's still a good size. And I assume the pictures are imposed here. Like, that's not actually a picture of what you would see. Yeah, probably. And that's a good but, question. How well can you see it in the daytime? And the contrast and that kind of stuff. How good is it? Well, Lee's just getting into this FPV stuff, so what do you think? <laughs> I am so biting my tongue right now on this topic. Why? <laughs> I think this That's is the, not why we pay you. <laughs> this is the silliest thing I've ever seen, and I, I cannot find any reason why I think this is a good idea. And I'm done. I just, I'm a no. My thumbs are down. I think this is a silly device. It is way too small. And for someone who's unfortunately climbing up there in the age when I'm having to wear probably three different types of glasses now, there is no way I could fly and, and look at that or just feel like sitting down and, and putting my face two inches from the darn watch <laughs> to see someone else fly would be enjoyable. I don't get it, and I'm sorry, but that's it. <laughs> no. That's it. Well, I just don't. Aren't you I gonna feel silly? I hope so. You guys can razz me if it's a big seller, but I, I'm. I mean, why wouldn't you just get a five-inch little screen that's got all the channels and have something you can hold on to? You know, <laughs> I, don't, I don't get it. <laughs> I can see a practical application of this if you're using FPV gear um, for framing aerial photography stuff. I can see where this would be a handy reference. You could just pop up your wrist and say, yep, I got the shot I want. Um, and like Fitz pointed out, if you're at a race or something and you want to monitor other people, okay. 
I can see that too. Okay, well then I guess on behalf of someone who's kind of blind, I I that is so small. It is it is just too small to pull that up and look at it. And I'm sorry, I don't think that's putting a little camera on your wrist like that is is the okay, I don't get it. <laughs> that's it. That's all I have to say. You guys can keep beating me on it, but I just shook my head as soon as I pulled it up the the link when you sent it to me. I went uh Well, I'm not sold yet. I I'm with you. I think uh, when I first saw him, like, what were they thinking? But you seem convinced that it's a dud. I'm at a wait-and-see position. Well, I want you guys to each buy one because they're only 50 bucks. <laughs> and uh, I want you all to buy them and play with them and then tell me how wonderful life is now that you've got a 2-inch, 5.8-gigahertz screen on your wrist. Man, we're going to need a mop for all that sarcasm dripping down from here. <laughs> I want to see. I want to see Facebook selfies of you holding up your wrist, going, "This is the deal." <laughs> <laughs> my life's complete with my two-inch FTV oh, watch. He's on a roll, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, right. You what, asked what was that about biting his tongue? Can you do that again? <laughs> Here I am talking, and I'm waiting to find out how 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 short my comment gets when Fitz uh, edits this recording. <laughs> Fitz is going to piece together me saying, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think we get the point of this one. That's two yays uh, and one uh, <laughs> whatever. All right. Maybe we should take a break while uh, Lee settles down and, and has some more coffee. Or at least punches a kitten or something. <laughs> God. So uh, now that Lee's all lathered up, Lee, why don't you tell us about the new Nevada tax rule for UAVs? Oh, this this came across uh, the UAV legal forum on Facebook, and I grabbed it and did a little bit of research. I don't know what the intent is, but the AMA got involved and sent this email out. It's pretty quick. I'll, I'll just say it out. It says, uh, the Nevada Tax Commission is considering an unnecessary tax on all model aircraft, unmanned aircraft systems, weighing 55 pounds or less. We need your help to stop this proposed burdensome taxation. And the key here is that the, the concern is there is no exemption for the word model or hobby in this proposed amendment or this tax. And from how I read it, they're, they're they have a tax system on your personal property, such as homes and aircraft. And in their tax law, it says aircraft in quotes. And I'm gathering because the FAA now declares all model aviation aircraft as real aircraft and require us to register and, you know, you know, fly in airspace accordingly and, you know, get your part 107 if you're a commercial pilot, that they want to include your personal property of aircraft as part of their tax uh, law. So I sent out this little notice here on RC groups and a lot of people have responded. And the key is no one knows if they are in fact going to tax you on your model aircraft. And if they do, are they going to tax you for each one? And how do you assess the value of each one? And it's it's just up in the air. It's, just, it's one of those, they didn't think it through and 
you'd hope that common sense would dictate they wouldn't tax hobby hobbyists. My concern is because they're probably focusing on people who are getting their commercial UAV license, their remote pilot pilot license. They're going to go after those people who are making money with their aircraft, and they didn't specify that. Interesting proposal. And right now it is just proposed, right? It, this is not actual law. Correct. And we'll, okay. we'll put the link that I posted on RC Groups that also includes the uh, post from Model Aviation, excuse me, uh, AMA, and the PDF from the Nevada Tax Commission. Has anybody talked about contacting the the people or persons who started up this uh, pr proposal and uh, talking to them about what's going on and cleaning up the language? Well, the AMA has listed an address for you to send a letter. It doesn't talk about who proposed it. Um, <laughs> my joke was, you know, there's probably somebody on the tax commission that got buzzed by an RC plane. <laughs> <laughs> and and my, my little quote was, they probably want to get those things off his lawn. So, who things, knows? Uh, things like that have happened. Well, you know, and it, that's the situation we've had up in a previous conversation for in Massachusetts, where this this community wanted to ban any RAC aircraft flying around. And it was because there was like one person who saw one and he was offended by it. He thought it was taking pictures of him. And he went to his council. One person went to his council and said, you know, I don't like these. We should ban them. And they just bought it. They bought his comment that it was, it was dangerous, even though there was a club nearby that said, you know what, this is just this one guy who's been complaining. Nobody else has complained about our field. And they were able to retract it. So, again, it's possibly someone stirring things up <laughs> by honking their 1920s car horn sorry <laughs> um, let's turn that volume off and, and I don't have enough details I'm, I'm still waiting I was hoping maybe someone in Nevada <laughs> could have given us more information but it was posted in the UAV forum a lot of other people uh, made comments to it we're just waiting to see if if it's in reality <sighs> going to stick to their guns on all aircraft. Yeah, it's... I would say that anybody who has the feeling that... No, they. I'm sure they didn't possibly mean that it meant models. Let's just let it play out and things will be fine. Um, I would say look at recent history and you can see that that's not always the case. So get active and make sure that it plays out correctly. And it sounds like the AMA is already on top of it, so that's a good start. Yeah, it's not a national conversation right now. It's just in Nevada, and as you said, Terry, it's just proposed. But I have a question for you because this is one I put out there. Is <laughs> that was <laughs> guilty? Um, sorry about that. We um... was that your lie detector? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I I stand corrected. The, the BS detector. <laughs> with the increase in uh, it sounds like a lot of people are getting their part 107 from what i'm reading it's uh you know with a lot of more commercial work being done do you suspect that they'll pursue taxes on commercial photographers and their equipment and their equipment such as aircraft let's say they they propose they switched it from anything under 55 to anything over 55 that might be used for 
commercial. Well, who's going to use something over 55 for photography? I don't know. I'm, I'm saying, what if instead of just, like, because right now it's up in the air, if it's based on hobby, what if they just went ahead and said, okay, anybody who has a Part 107 will, will tax their aircraft as if they were real aircraft? Yeah, I don't know. I, the, the smart aleck in me would think that anytime the government senses money is being made, they want their share of it by whatever means. Um, but I don't know if taxing multi-rotors or whatever it might be is a reasonable approach to that. I mean, the, it's a business that's presumably already going to be paying those types of taxes as any other business would. Yeah, as a business, they already have to pay taxes and they have assets and depreciation and that kind of stuff already. So to lever, lev, levy, levy, lever, levy, to, levy. <laughs> to tax the equipment additionally, it just seems like it would deter people from going into that business. But I don't know. Yeah. Like you said, until we hear directly from the people who are proposing this, it's all speculation. And that's one of the fears because no one really knows what their intent is. We may not know until they put a vote on it in January. We, we're The AMA is really trying to get them to say, okay, before you put this out there and, and make it sound like it's okay, you've got to specify what this aircraft section means because they were using the, the rule 336 against us as far as the, you know, anything under 55 pounds. So they want, but sir, we can't find out what's in it until we pass it. <laughs> that's, that's how they roll. <laughs> and when I mean roll, I mean, roll over us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess we'll have to find out, right? We'll see in January. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on it. So I mentioned I had a busy weekend last week, and that's because I actually went to our local uh, maker fair over here in Houston. They call it a mini maker fair, but it's expanded to two days in a much larger venue, so I think they're no longer going to call it mini after a while. But it's it's a really neat thing to go to if you guys have ever been to one. Where I call it a convention of nerds, but it, it's it's beyond that. You know, every type of 3D printer and electronics and microcontrollers and robots and all kinds of stuff show up. Even people that make soap show up. So it's really eclectic and a lot of different stuff there. And great hands-on opportunity. And, uh, of course, I brought the RoboDog, which was very popular, driving him around. And I met up with a guy who built a full-scale R2-D2. It was beautiful. And uh, so we we hung out a little bit. And... Uh, and a few other neat things that showed up. But one thing that really caught my attention was some 3D printed RC airplanes. Several vendors. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not, not just, you know, some desk model. These were meant to fly. They had pre-built cutouts for the servos. They were electric, roughly 39 inches. 36 inches, I think, something like that. And two different people had them. And they weren't for sale, they were just sort of a demonstration of the 3D printers, but these things were just fascinating. They had a Spitfire and a P-51 Mustang. And I talked to one of the guys, and he said, yeah, you, you can buy them, you can buy the, the file online, I think it was like 20 bucks. And you download it, and you just print them out. Depending on the size of the printer, you can either print them out in two or three very large sections, or they were already sort of cut up, so you can print them in smaller printers. In about a I don't know, 
dozen pieces. I think the wings were about four or five pieces, and the fuselage was another four or five pieces, something like that. And they were really nicely designed. They had real. They were mainly hollow with some reinforcement structures, and a real thin skin, and they weren't very heavy at all. They were actually pretty light. And what material? This is. You have two choices. You can use what they call the polylactic acid, the PLA, or you can use ABS plastic, depending on your printer. I think either one is just fine. Um, the the properties of each is a little bit different. Uh, so that would be interesting to see if ABS is better than PLA. Um, probably, eh, see, a PLA technically is biodegradable, uh, but it's, it takes a long time for that to happen. And I think it's a little, might be a little more. One is, um, has better tensile strength and one's a little more brittle. So, uh, you have a choice. And so I guess you pick one you think is better best for your cause i doubt that what were the ones that you saw made of uh you know i don't know i think they were pla okay um, and that's the more popular one. that is the more popular one yes and you don't it doesn't require a heated bed and that kind of stuff so um the only thing is they probably would if you ever drilled one into the ground it probably would shatter versus break but i guess that remains to be seen uh but they were pretty nice design they seemed fairly accurate in, in dimensions um, I don't know what motors they were for. They're all electric powered, uh, but they were really neat. You could print them. A couple ones I saw were in a translucent, so you, they were kind of clear almost, which seems like it'd be hard to fly that way. But I think it was more so you could see the internals and that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. So I, I went after seeing that. I had heard about them some time ago, but I didn't think much of it. But after actually seeing one in person, I really want to build one, or print one, make one. So, have you bought one. the files yet? No, I haven't. I'm trying to decide which one. Uh, they have a P51 Spitfire, a P47, a ME109, and they just came out with a P38, which really looks nice. Yeah. So, and that's an interesting concept because all the time I'll see an unusual plane and think, hey, I'd like to build one of those for RC one day. But if it has a lot of tough compound curves or something that I think would be tough to shape out of foam or build out of wood, that never happens. Yeah. So yeah. this, I would think, is a new approach to tackle those kinds of problems. This was very interesting. And I was kind of thinking along the same lines of maybe getting a Spitfire because of all the compound curves on it. And, I thought, and that would be a neat exercise in printing that out. And you're right, this is sort of a new, I don't know how to say it, a new field, a new territory for us modelers to be able to 3D print flyable aircraft that looks pretty nice. Right, even if it's not the whole plane, you could do just that difficult portion yeah, of the, yeah. the 3D. And, no. But the fact that they're doing a complete one is interesting to me. I with what tiny experience I have with 3D modeling, it's a few years old, but I would not have guessed they had enough structural integrity to handle flight loads. Yeah, that was my... I guess that's changing. Yes, that was my big surprise. And they had some videos I saw of them flying, and they seemed to do really good. It was pretty fast playing. And that was the key thing, being able to be structurally strong enough to, to withstand the flight loads and be light enough to fly without being a slug. So that's I'm really curious. I'd like to build one and... and weigh it and see what the wing loading is and that kind of stuff. Now, of course, they, these use the, the FDM, the Fusion Deposit Modeling, so which means it's got very tiny little lines, 
So when you look at it closely, it's not perfectly smooth. It's got little lines that would have to be, if you were a stickler for detail, you'd have to fill and sand these lines and that kind of stuff. So it's not perfect, but if you just wanted a plane to bang around and look the part, look decent enough from five feet away, this is really neat technology and hard to beat. Cool. And I think... Now, you've used your 3D printer. You've made parts for me before for RC, I guess, quads. Um, have you used it for stuff on your planes? Yes. I've made... Somebody gave me a, a crash plane, and the front hand had been front end had been obliterated so oh, is this the corsair we talked about uh no this was another plane this was a e-flight okay. uh, pawnee i believe and what i did is normally it's got a, a wood lattice work for the motor mount in the front and instead of recreating that i just printed out a motor mount out of with my 3d printer the, in one piece in one piece yeah and Interesting. and i've also found uh you talked about that DL-335 model I have, I found that somebody had printed, created some files to make air scoops and exhaust ports and stuff like that for this model that I could 3D print and stick on it. Oh, cool. And you can print dummy engines, and I printed machine guns, uh, dummy machine guns I stuck on one of my airplanes, that kind of stuff. So it's been very useful for making little model parts. I made uh, servo mounts and... Um, servo keepers, all kinds of neat little stuff. It's been really useful. Mine is not big enough to make this plane. It needs a fairly large print bed. Uh, so well, you have access to other machines at the library, correct? Yes, I have one. The library locally to me, fortunately, has a couple of printers, including one really big one that could literally print small furniture. So, uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> yeah, so I could I could go and print the plane out in just a few pieces. And uh, they let you start a print and let it just go overnight and come back the next day. This will take a while to print. These, I think they said the wing took eight hours to print, something like that. Uh, so it's not quick. But so I think Lee did get that poison dart to the neck. Yeah, what happened to him? You there? Well, if you guys are talking, I'm not listening, because I'm watching this guy put that 3D printed P38 together. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just trying to wipe the drool off my desk. This thing is gorgeous. Oh, yeah, you're a P-38 guy. Holy smokes, this is amazing. I really could not perceive how it was being built when I first saw the photo. Uh, I And just to let you guys know, I mean, I saw this from flight test. And I knew you were at Maker Faire, and I knew you mentioned the 3D printed aircraft fits. But, you know, the first time I saw the P-38 was on the flight test post. And I'm just drawn in <laughs> to this. Not that I want to spend, like, $1,000 on a 3D printer to build this plane. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it is gorgeous. I mean, and I, I don't know if I could paint over it because it just looks so pretty with the way it looks in that clear mode. You got to give it invasion stripes or something. Well, yeah, I'll do, yeah, I'll do something like that, but it's, it's incredible. I, I love seeing this technology and as much as Fitz mentioned, you know, you dork this or get a crack, you know, it's, you're going to have a tough time doing some repairs. Um, but boy, it's, it's neat, man. I love this technology moving up like that. Well, if Fitz can print one, he can print two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, just basically just the cost of the filament. Yeah. So what do you think it would cost to print things that big? Uh, the guy quoted said around 40 bucks. I think he said, to print it. Okay. 
Uh, I don't know how it depends. Filament prices kind of vary, so it could be 20, it could be 40, depending on which ones you use. But anyways, that I, I, I do plan on doing that. I'm going to have to download the plan once I decide which plane, and then I'll run over to the library and start printing. Let's see how it goes. I'll let you guys know. So what did you say the options were? Spitfire, P-38, and what else? P-47, P-51, and a Mustang. P, uh, not a Mustang. A, um, I'm missing something. Oh, 109. I mean 109. Oh, there you go. I know. There's my access plane. <laughs> yeah. And I think they were working on something else. I thought I saw on the website. They had, uh, I think, a long easy or something. They had a picture of one. It wasn't up for oh, sale or anything, but they had some pictures. So looks like they're going to continue on in the series with some other designs. Did you mention the Edge? That's what it was. Yeah, the Edge. They had an Edge 540 yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah. I think that's new, too. So if you want aerobatic plane, there you go. So, and not to stay on this topic too long, but for somebody like you, Fitz, who likes to modify and do your own things, how hard do you predict it would be to, to take one of those existing files and say that you do get the 109, you want to make it a Z model with twin fuselage? Is it something kind of tailor-made for that sort of improvisation? Yeah, now that's the interesting thing. Yeah, you, you point out that you can modify the files. You can normally have what they call an STL file. And a lot of times you can import those STLs into a CAD program and then play around with them. So it is definitely conceivable. You could take that STL file and muck around with it and make a Z model with a twin fuselage or, or maybe a slight variant uh, of a particular, you know, if you've got a, a square wing 109, you can make it the round tip 109 or maybe a G model or something like that. You can kind of... I guess you could even do things like add in washout. Uh conceivably yes it may take a bit more uh uh cad food to do it <laughs> depends how no, good you are called, with cad it's called a hot air gun you just melt this plastic <laughs> right down into a watch <laughs> yes um it's sort of you know you're sort of reverse engineering the design but there are programs that you can import the stl file and, and play around with it so yeah depends how much time you want to spend right. on it i will be following your progress because uh, I've convinced myself that I need a 3D printer, and mm. I just haven't pulled the trigger on it yet. So Yeah. Because of that... It's all riding on you now. If be, you pull this off and it works. It's funny. Because of that, I'm thinking, yeah. I need a bigger printer now. <laughs> Mine's too small. Oh. <laughs> we'll talk. <laughs> all right. Anyways, well, uh, don't know what to say about that. I'll play around with it, and we'll see how it goes. Maybe it's time we finally get sponsors for our show so we can... <laughs> fun fits his habit <laughs> yes yeah our rate is three 3d printers yeah <laughs> yes big ones too yeah so were there any other non-rc items here that blew you away uh well since i've been to a few of them uh nothing too um i guess to say a 3d printer somebody had a really big 3d printer you could practically walk into the thing wow. um hmm. Uh, did we, did I tell you about the lobster car? No. <laughs> lobster car. Okay. This guy, I seen him before a few times. He took an old Volvo four door sedan and you know, you know, those singing fish, uh, the bass yeah, fish, the Billy, bass. the Billy bass. Now imagine you took like 50 of them and stuck them all over the car. <laughs> and then he took another Is this an hmm? art car. It's an art thing? car thing. 
Okay. And, and not only did he have the Billy Bash, Bass, excuse me, he had a bunch of little animatronic lobsters also, and about another 50, 100 of them plastered all over the car. And they all sang in sequence to the music he was playing. And so they would do a little dance. And he had one lobster that was on top that was a conductor lobster, so it would wave its arms and claws with a little conductor uh, stick. And this thing was very bizarre and very captivating at the same time. Just watching these all these fish and lobsters singing in sequence together. Uh, that sounds like it'd be fun. It was. It was <laughs> really fun. I'll have to send you. I have a short video. I'll have to maybe we'll post it on the Facebook page or something. Well, we got news that uh, Mike McConville from Horizon Hobby is leaving. He's got. Uh, a bigger and, and better venture coming out. What what business is he going into? Is it? I know he's a jet guy. He's going. Well, he's going to work for Unique, who it's a company that makes multi rotors. Oh, that's right. Um, I don't know if it's the commercial side or the uh, the design. Well, like uh, personal quads or business. What do you mean, commercial ah, gotcha. or or private? Or, yeah, uh, whatever those words are. Uh, well, retail or commercial? Yeah. So. And, man, that's a tough gig. I, apparently people are making money at it, but hmm. I just can't imagine getting into that business with how fast it moves and, yeah. and how cutthroat it is. I don't my, I don't know Mike personally. I haven't uh, you know kept up with him, but I know his uh, resume that they listed when they announced his, uh, his leaving Horizon. He's been more there for 25, 30 years, something like that. Oh, wow. So, so what did he do there? I don't really know him. I don't know the he, name. He's a designer. He's a he's an avid pilot. He does, he, he's got a whole you know, mess of uh, skills as far as you know, helicopters and 3D planes and jets. So he's, he's known it all, but he's uh, been a designer for several aircraft. And one in particular is the, uh, the Champ S-Plus upgrade. And when I... Well, isn't he like prime or lead or something? Yeah. Not just one of the designers. I think he's the guy. All right, so it says here Mike has been a uh, member of Horizon for 20 years, and he is a was a lead designer for Horizon Hobby on several of their aircraft. I don't have a list here of the aircraft, but needless to say, he, he was a very valuable asset for Horizon, and now he's moving into the, the multi-rotor world. But what's, uh, what I wanted to mention is that Mike was the gentleman who contacted me from Horizon concerning the Champ S Plus problems that we were experiencing. And uh, for someone who, who appears to be extremely busy and obviously going through a transition from Horizon to another company, uh, he, re- he replied almost every day to when I was uh, reporting the changes and you know doing some of the stuff he'd asked me to do and was also good to follow up with me like a week later just to check how things were going. So um, he, he knew there was a problem with the transmitter. He was the one who suggested I just go to a, you know, a DX7 or something. And since that, I, I have not had any issues. So I never had a problem with his design. I love having a, a larger champ. I loved having the ailerons and the brushless motor. And yes, the AS3X helps. But um, and I mentioned to him, I, just, I thought they went overboard with the amount of features, technical features they added to it. And I thought it was just going to fly great on its own. I, I hope it's still a good seller for them, but um, not going back to the Champ S+. Plus. I know Mike did his best to, to help me out, and that's a good thing. So I hope when he works for Unique, they'll appreciate that, uh, that amount of dedication. Well, I'm sure they will. 
and he has a good reputation in the industry so I wish him well now on our website um, Nicholas has asked if we think that that's going to affect uh, the airplanes that are coming out of Horizon and my initial response is no because Mike is not the only guy there and I know of a couple other engineers who work for them also capable guys so I, I don't see this shaking them to their core and they've got a, a pretty deep talent pool there so I doubt that the, the change will be visible outside of their organization well he had a good run so I guess it's had what are they dying no 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 this uh what do you know <laughs> i know nothing i'm thinking i'm thinking of mr mcconville there mcconville i think he was saying he had a good run at horizon he's going to have a better run with unique uh, yes okay yes mr sensitive we have to help terry along <laughs> <laughs> So Nicholas's specific question is, will there be a decline in airframes? And I don't know if he means quality or quantity, because, you know, we've talked recently that, man, they've been really spitting them out lately. Yeah. Um, so I, I can't answer that question. I, I don't know. But I would not expect a decline in quality. And also he asked if there would be a bigger reliance on AS3X and I presume safe to make them airworthy. And I, I wouldn't think that's the case either. I can't think of any of those airplanes that need those uh, stabilization things. They're just accentuated by them. Yeah. So I, I think they've already, we've already seen a trend that they're going to AS3X and pretty much anything they, they produce. So yeah. Regardless of its flying qualities inherently. All right, so good luck to Mike. Yep, good luck. Good luck, Mike. Hey, tool time. We haven't done a tool time in a long time. Let's talk about some sort of tool. This is my weapon. This is my ooh, gun. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Uh, I got one. I got one. Yeah, what you got? Screwdrivers. Oh, I love that drink. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say that, Lee. <laughs> Screwdriver. That, is that present Freshly squeezed orange juice. Absolute vodka. <laughs> You're loving it or you love it? <laughs> what, what? What? What did you say? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No. Uh, screwdrivers, huh? That sounds like an interesting topic. What you got? Are you being sarcastic? Uh, well, the is. screwdriver. How can we make a screwdriver sound exciting? Oh, well, I think there's more to it than a lot of people realize. Oh, yeah? And having worked in the space business on space hardware, I was really tuned in to the demands of using the correct drivers on certain screws. And not just the, the type of tip, but the size of the tip. Um, I guess, how do you say this? There's all different sizes of screwdrivers, and they're made to fit different sizes of screws. So you got to make sure you're using the right one, or you're going to strip out the screw and just get frustrated. Mm. But also, um, there's different types of Phillips heads. And Fitz, you probably know this, but there's the, the Japanese standard, in addition to... I guess, is there a U.S. standard, or is that just generic Phillips? It may be an SAE standard or something. Yeah. Yeah. But for a lot of, especially my RC car stuff that comes from overseas, they fit much better with the Japanese-style screwdrivers than the U.S. Yeah, ones. you're right. I think and they have a different... You can tell a big difference. Yeah. That's that definitely a case. I've been bitten by that for quite a few times, trying to find the right Phillips screwdriver to fit in a screw. 
because of that. Yeah. So I've got a few of the more common-sized Japanese screwdrivers that I use for that stuff. Mm. Yeah, sometimes when you get a kit, you get a little Phillips screwdriver included in the kit for that. And I always try to keep those around. They come in handy. But those are usually pop metal kind of things, right? Yeah, they're not very durable, but at least it's in a pinch. It's something. Yeah, okay. I found uh, I have a precision screwdriver set that's pretty good. I think I bought it. You know, I held off on buying one of those for a long time just because they're so expensive and you can go buy Craftsman for a few bucks. But now that I have got a few of the, especially the smaller sizes, precision drivers, yeah. it's a huge difference. Yeah, they come in. For working on things like the small servos and, and other tiny parts, it's invaluable. Oh, yeah, I use them all the time. I have several sets of them because of that. Yeah. So I used to get those little plastic cases of 10 tiny screwdrivers you would get from the dollar store, yeah. and I would fumble around with those, but yeah, I've given up on them. Now I use decent hardware, <laughs> or decent uh, drivers. We got to have the right tool for the right job. Ah, here we go. <laughs> now, Lee, you're notorious for having bunches of tools. What's your screwdriver collection like? I, I'm going to do my little plug for Exolite screwdrivers. And if you've never heard of them, and I'm surprised if you haven't, it's spelled X-C-E-L-I-T-E. My father had several of these Series 99 kits that have interchangeable socket blades. And I sent you guys a link. We'll put the link on our website. But if you want to have every possible <laughs> selection of screwdriver tips, uh, gosh, I love my x Light set. It is great. I mean, you just have all these options to just pick what you want. I also have hex blades for these things. Um, you know, one handle, all these different sockets. And as Terry mentioned, every possible size of flatten or blade and Phillips. Um, I love this. And I, I, you know, I remember when I was a kid, my dad said, you know, don't let this socket set go. Don't get rid of this Series 99. And I, I still have both sets to this day. And uh, luckily there's a store down the street for me that is an Exolite uh, supplier. So I can always go there and get any other, you know, socket that I need for it. It's great and um, highly recommended. It comes in a nice little, you know, roll-up case. You can, you know, there's T-handle um, options, plus this is the standard you know, grip, plastic grip. Can you get them at retailers, or you have to order a special order from somewhere? Well, well as I said, Altex, which is a, a Houston company, I think you even have an Altex down near you, Fitz. Um, but it's like a, a repair store for technicians, you know, for like networking and so forth. <clears throat> and uh, Xlite makes all kinds of tools, not just you know uh, screwdrivers, but they make uh, wire cutters and strippers, stuff like that. Uh, I I love this brand. And you can get them on Amazon. Um, but there's just such a huge variety. You've got to download their catalog, which is like, I don't know, 50-something pages. And then you can just tailor, make whatever set you want. There's a, there's a simple Series 99 case that I have that's got, I think, four blades. But you'd be surprised on how many you can get. You know, just swap around. I hope you guys can look at it. Well, look it up. The thing that you have is a case... It's a roll-up pouch. So, like, I oh, okay. one of one that I have has got maybe twelve tools in it, and the other one I have is a mix of nut drivers, hex, ball, hex, and blades, and that's probably closer to thirty, maybe thirty-six. Okay. And uh, I know you make fun of me bringing my tools everywhere, but I'm 
I'm pretty sure I had that in my collection when we went to Best. Yeah, I'm sure I've borrowed those screwdrivers on more than one occasion. Yeah, it's it's great, and, and because you, you know it's interchangeable. If you if you break one, you just buy the the, the, the shaft part, and then you're back in business. Yeah, sort of modular kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So, is it like Craftsman where they have a warranty on them? Uh, you know, I've never had to worry about the warranty. I think if I've broken it, it's because I was really mishandling it. <laughs> I mean, maybe it is lifetime, and I just haven't taken advantage. But like I said... Using it as a chisel or something. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like, um, you know, I have a, I also have this in my my tool bin. It's uh, We were talking about screwdrivers, but they also have these uh, pre-made nut drivers that are handled. So, I, you know, I just have them in my drawer, and they're color-coded. So, I don't know. This... I like X-Lite brand. If you're looking for something that's you know got a huge variety, highly recommend it. Anyways, look up X-Lite and Series 99, and then build your custom screwdriver set. All right. So is your toolbox uh, shadow boxed, or is it all just thrown in there? <laughs> uh, <laughs> what do you mean by that? You mean like custom foam or something? Yeah, where you know, there's a... A spot for everything oh, and everything in that spot. Yeah, if there's uh, maybe we can show a picture. It's a pouch that has every slot labeled. So you. Well, yeah, that's the Exolite stuff. Yeah. I'm talking about. You've got a, like a red toolbox oh, in your shop, right? No, no, <laughs> no. I've got a sticker on the front that says wrenches. <laughs> Ding. <laughs> yeah, well, that's better than mine. Yeah, at least you label your stuff. Yeah. So you remember our hex wrench conversation from a while back? all my wrenches are in one bin and I spend 20 minutes going through the bin each time to find the right size. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like that with my screwdrivers too. And pliers and sockets. <laughs> and everything. Well, yeah, at least each type is in a separate container. They're, they're still just all blended together. Well, as I live in both worlds, my tool case, you know, has them <laughs> split between like screwdriver and wrench, but Every time I pull out the Series 99 pouch, you know, if I use one, there's a spot left. <laughs> so I kind of know where it has to go. <laughs> you don't pour them all out and then, you know, guess it back in place. All right. All right, guys. Well, I think uh, that'll wrap up for to this time. Uh, we've got a Thanksgiving holiday coming up next week. So I hope you guys will partake in gorging on some murderized turkey next week. <laughs> With a smile on my With face. With a smile on your face. <laughs> With gravy running and down. Gravy. <laughs> gravy dribbling down your chin. <laughs> Lee can practice his British accent for asking for more. Oh, gosh. There's they your cue. They don't celebrate it, though. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, they don't, do they? No. All right, as usual, it's been fun. Uh, guys, have a good holiday, and we'll talk to you next time. And thanks, everybody, for joining us on the Rarcy Roundtable. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Please visit our website at rcroundtable.com, where you can send us comments and suggestions and listen to our other great podcasts. Those who live in Las Vegas can listen to us over the radio at the all-new Magic 97.9 FM, KIOFLP Las Vegas. Howdy. What's that, Fitz? What's up, Fitz? What's up? What's up? What's up? <laughs> ah. <laughs>